Welcome to Trailblazing Techs. And today we have Anna Warnicke, who is a Washington correspondent with uh, Nextstar Media Group. And throughout her career, uh, she has interviewed quite impressive uh, group of people, starting with uh, current President Donald Trump, the First Lady Ivanka Trump, and other folks like Rick Perry and congressional leaders such as Senator John Cornyn, Senator Mark Warner, and Representative Steve Scalise. So happy to have you on. How are you doing, Anna? That was quite the introduction. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing all right, you know, just enjoying some of the uh, quarantine life, the world that we have currently found ourselves in. Yep, I, I feel like we're all in the same boat here. For sure. And so you're located in D.C., obviously, as a Washington correspondent. And so what has been like a big difference uh, currently in D.C.? I know right now being uh, the spring, a lot of times you have like middle school tours going on, a lot of tourism around the, the cherry blossoms and stuff like that earlier. You know, what's it like in D.C. right now? It's literally empty. I when I it's usually this time, like you said, full of eighth grade tours. Now I go on. I've I've resulted to going on like power walks in the morning because in my heart I'm like 67 years old, um, and it's empty. I mean, it is crazy. You can cross the street with honestly like in the middle of the street, which you can never do before. There's no traffic, anything. Um, it's kind of eerie, but um, it is a little nice too at the same time. Not having all those eighth grade tours. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And so what hasn't changed, though? I mean, it's the capital of the United States. So even though traffic's light and stores are closed and stuff like that, you know, what on the Hill hasn't really changed? Well, Congress is still here. Like today, um, Senate's in session. They've been coming back and forth for the past couple of weeks. But um, since the Senate's here and if Congress is in session, um, you know, we still have to work and most of us have to be on Capitol Hill still. So um, that hasn't changed. And the White House is still carrying on as usual. So yeah, so business, yeah, business as, as usual. So no surprise there. So did want to do a little bit of backtracking uh, as to how we know each other, actually. Um, Anna and I have known each other since probably what? I was in sixth grade, so you would have been in fifth grade. We played yeah. middle school basketball together, um, visited you guys when you lived in London when we were in high school. And so one thing about Anna, before we, before we kicked off this, this uh, recording, Anna was telling me how she ordered like a whole box of sugar cookies just for kicks. And uh, that's definitely been a strong bond of ours is, is food. And so one of my favorite stories about Anna, and I love telling this story, is that before basketball practice in high school, we'd go to Wendy's. And we went to Wendy's, we go to the drive-thru, and Anna opens up her wallet and a French fry falls out of her wallet. So one, you went to Wendy's without me, and two, you got a french fry in your wallet, and I don't understand how it happened. But to this day, one of my fondest memories, and you've come a long way from french fries in your wallet to the hill. I don't know if I quite have, because if anyone who knows me is watching this, it's like no one would be surprised to this day. I mean, I'm obsessed with french fries. I, eat them every, I still eat them all the time. You I don't have my wallet anymore, so I, I, I graduated from that sense. Yeah, and I remember at one point you even tweeted on your account about like who has the best French fries, and it was like a really big deal. It was a debate in our newsroom, but our newsroom in DC has never had Whataburger before, and so I did, it was like trying to explain to them that In-N-Out French fries are cardboard, but Whataburger is just like godsend. They just didn't get it. It was it was so frustrating. Uh, well, I was definitely on your side for that one. Uh, I was definitely team Anna, uh, team Whataburger as well. So shout out to Whataburger because we both don't live in Texas anymore and we miss it. Um, but let's switch gears here a little bit. So wanted to talk to you about your career, but also wanted to talk to, to you about something that's a little bit more serious. So you recently have recovered from COVID-19. I did. Yes. I'm fully recovered now, but okay. I, 
it took a little bit of time. <laughs> awesome. And, and definitely happy to hear that. Uh, I think I kind of found out probably when the general public, but now I think you tweeted about it. Um, and so you kept it obviously very private for a while, which is to be expected. But my first question is, is what made you decide to get tested? Like, did you have symptoms? Was it something that you had to do with your, your, your organization that you work, work for or what? Well, so when coronavirus first came um, to the United States, um, we have only reported about that for like months now. So it's been like coronavirus in my brain for like 24 seven for, I would say three or four months. Um, yep. And so uh, I, we all kind of transitioned to the work from home, we, but we still kind of have to go to the Capitol. We still have to go to the White House if necessary. Yep. Um, so I'm still being exposed, just not as much. And we're still being careful, like, you know, wearing the gloves, you know, wearing the mask, always washing our hands, hand sanitizer. I did all that. Um, but then it was one um, Monday morning I woke up and I was just feeling really sore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe it was allergies. I don't know. Cause it was just like a congestion, like kind of yep. a cold. Um, but then every day that week, it kind of got a little bit worse. Um, and so I was like, okay, if it was allergies or, you know, cold, they would have gone away. So I called my doctor and she was like, you know what, let's just be safe. Let's just go get you tested. Um, at least I rule it out. Yep. Um, yep. sure enough, I tested positive. <laughs> And, and like, so you, outside of your body feeling sore though, did you have any of the other symptoms that people were talking about, like shortness of breath and coughing and stuff like that? I did. So after a week, it was um, like the, the body soreness was like joint pain was the worst I've ever experienced. So that was just something that was just constant and yeah. kept me up at night. Um, but I did end up having um, to get an inhaler about oh. the second week um, and just like total exhaustion over my body. Um, I would like, like, I literally did not leave my room, yeah. my bedroom for a week. And I would get up to just like walk to my bathroom and I was like heaving for air, um, wow. which is not normal. So um, <laughs> I, I, that's when we, I got the inhaler and it did work. So that was nice. And so you said you were kind of like in bed for a week, but from start to finish, how long did it really take you to like be a hundred percent? Okay. I would say by like two and a half weeks, um, I was like feeling, you know, all the symptoms were gone. I also never had a fever, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and so the doctor was, didn't really know like when the end is because the end is usually like when your fever goes away. Yeah. Um, so it was like two and a half weeks to three weeks. I mean, it was wow. long. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the scary part about the virus right now is it seems that everyone's experience are, are very different. And so, you know, you didn't have a fever. Meanwhile, some people are like, yeah, the first symptom I had was a fever. And um, so, so to be honest, you were the first person that I knew directly that had uh, tested positive. So it was kind of an interesting shift in perspective where when you all of a sudden know someone um, and we don't live close to each other or anything like that, but all of a sudden it was like, wow, like it starts to hit home when that type of mm -hmm. thing happens. So um, you kind of were stuck in your room. You were trying to, to heal and, and get better. I would imagine, did you get any nice videos from your little niece to help you feel better? Oh my gosh, I would FaceTime her all the time. I think she was getting annoyed with me. She already gets annoyed with me as is, but I'm like, yeah. oh, she's like the best thing that's ever happened. I didn't even do anything. It was my sister's <laughs> daughter. And I'm like, oh, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Oh, so, so much. So uh, Anna has an older sister that's uh, graduated with me and is a year younger uh, than I am. And so her sister had a baby. How old is uh, your niece? You, saw, you, you were there at, um, you met her at the, um, the baby shower too. Yeah. So you've yep. met Charlotte. Um, She's over a year now, about a year and a half, I want to say. Okay. And so I what's your, 
What's your favorite thing about being an aunt? I feel like being an aunt or an uncle is like one of the greatest roles that you can have. I think my favorite thing is that I can like get her like really excited and like put a smile on her and she's like really hyper. But then my sister's like, she needs to go to bed. And I'm like, okay, no, you can take her to bed now. So I like get her like amped up and I like pass her along. It's not my problem anymore, right? Yeah. How often do you get to see her? I feel like pretty decently. I usually see her often, but I haven't obviously right yeah. now couple months which is crazy because she's literally grown so much she's I, last time I saw her she wasn't walking and now she's basically running yeah so, it's that's pretty crazy yeah I mean the the amount that kids develop at that age like if you miss a month you've missed you know a ton of time but hopefully yeah. once this passes you know you guys you know can see each other with that so you um you've been away from Texas for a while you've been away from your family uh in, in different locations and so um you're in DC doing uh the Washington corresponding you're doing political journalism um is it something that you've always been interested in journalism and then specifically uh political journalism yeah yeah I would definitely say that I always I so I majored in political science so I like I knew that like I, that was kind of eventually the path I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. um, but I also had this interest in and curiosity of like journalism. We didn't really, I mean, you and I, so actually just so everyone knows, we also know each other because we run yearbooks together. Um, and we were <laughs> the sports editors together for the yearbook. So like I knew I, I kind of liked writing and I knew I kind of liked like journalism a little bit, but we didn't really have like a news station at, at our high school or anything like that. Yeah. Like a lot of people who do journalism, they start so young. Um, so I kind of just like took a leap of faith and, and went for, and wanted to combine both and here I am. I love it. So, yeah. And so you studied poli sci at, uh, George Washington in DC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I that, fell in love with DC when I was here. So that's uh, kind of what drew me back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also going back, going back to your book, um, <laughs> shout out to Miss Boating. Um, God bless that woman. Um, but oh, Hey, I'm we were crazy. We did it though. We, we that yearbook came out it. every year. Came out every year. <laughs> it did absolutely. Um, okay, so poli sci GW in DC. You fell in love with it. So after you graduated, you found yourself uh, in West Texas. So bring us through kind of that. How you went from DC to West Texas and that whole journey. So I wanted to go. So you know, you leave Texas and everything draws you back to. If yeah, you've yeah. been to Texas, you know that. Um, not only is it the greatest state, but it has Whataburger too. Um, but <laughs> I, I knew after I graduated, I did want to get back to my family um, for at least a little bit. My mom wanted me back home in Texas, or at least close sure. by. Yeah. Um, so that um, Christmas break, um, I flew home and I jumped in the car with my mom and we kind of just did a road trip around the state and just visited random TV stations. So if mm -hmm. you're not familiar with um, local TV, you basically kind of start small and work your way up. Mm -hmm. So I basically just mapped out all these like random TV stations, popped in the car and we just drove. Um, and I was cold knocking on, on a lot of these stations' doors. Um, ended up getting, uh, just sitting down with the news director in Lubbock. Um, and, you know, he liked me enough to uh, offer me a job, which was, you know, that's all I needed <laughs> when yeah. I graduated. I was really excited. Um, so I accepted it. Um, but little did I know that, you know, Lubbock, even though it's in Texas, it's still eight hours away yep. <laughs> by car. Um, people of West Texas were the sweetest people I've ever met. And... Um, they'll always have a special place in my heart. Um, yeah. I still report for them actually now. Oh, nice. So it's kind of cool. But um, God bless my first news director. <laughs> yeah, so um, my brother lives in, in West Texas. And, and Midland's what, hour and a half, two hours from Lubbock? Yeah. Roughly? Yeah. And he'll say the same the thing. Probably the closest city to Lubbock is Midland. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. And James will say the same thing that people in West Texas are the kindest people, um, you know, very hospitable. And, um, you know, even though it's in the middle of nowhere and it's far away from other things, like people who spend time out there end up looking back on it fondly, even though you look at a map and you're like, where are we? And so, um, so yeah, so glad to hear that. So you did, you did Lubbock. Um, and then you found yourself at, uh, in Texas capital, uh, of Austin. So how did that come about? So my boss, Russ, um, I was like the only person in the Lubbock newsroom that was like pitching like city council, um, mm-hmm. meetings to cover. Um, so they all knew I liked politics. Um, and so a job opened up at the bureau in Austin. They were creating this bureau, mm-hmm. um, to report for like all the 10 stations in Texas. And so he asked if I wanted it and I said, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. that's found myself moving to Austin, Texas. It was a lot closer to, to the Woodlands. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you were in Austin, I take it that's probably like your first real stab at like political being kind of in the middle of, mm-hmm. of politics going on. I went right in the beginning of session um, in Texas and it was like zero to a hundred overnight. Even yeah. you picked up fast, but I, I will say again, you're still in Texas. So everyone's so hospitable. Um, mm-hmm. Even like the lawmakers, like it's, it's, you kind of just feel like family. Everyone's kind of welcoming you into, into the beat there. So that was really nice. Yeah. And what's the, um, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with Texas, you know, each city in Texas is very different. They have their own identities, but I would say Austin probably has its own identity outside of it. The saying keep Austin weird exists for a reason. Um, but what was your favorite thing about Austin? Oh gosh, that's a hard question. I would say my friends and the, the food, the food there was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I've not had a better breakfast taco in my entire life than in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Um, and it's just kind of a cool city. It's like, if you get, I tell anyone if they've never been to Texas, and I think you might agree, to go to Austin first because you get, like, you still get the Texas experience because everyone kind of, if you've never been, you kind of, like, people walk around in cowboy hats, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, but you still get, you know, the, you know, you walk into a bar and there's a band playing and, you know, you still get, like, that small town, big city feel, so. I would say Austin, I appreciate that for that. Yeah, actually, <laughs> this is kind of ridiculous, but um, Joe Jonas has like his own little show and it's called like Cup of Joe and him and like Matthew McConaughey walk around Austin. And I only caught glimpses of it. But one thing that Matthew McConaughey talks about is like, Austin's obviously growing. It's becoming a big city, but they're trying to keep the essence of Austin, right? Kind of this smaller town. There's there's a lot of culture. There's music there. There's good foods. Very neighborhoody type of vibes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like Houston is a big metropolis, and so yeah. is Dallas, Fort Worth. So Austin's trying to make this transition into a big metropolis, but also keep the essence that why people like Austin um, because it is a smaller city, um, and a lot of history there as well. Did you um? Did you float the Guadalupe a lot while you lived out there? I did. Have you done that? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Highly would recommend if you've never, it's a fun Texas experience as well in the summer. Um, all right. I'm sure people are kind of tired about hearing about Texas, but I personally could talk about it all day. Oh, forever. <laughs> but great experience in Austin gave you kind of your first um, go around with uh, being kind of in the middle of politics. And then you landed in DC. So how did that jump happen? I know there's contracts and stuff like that in, in your world. So kind of walk us through how that came about. Kind of, you know, the same thing as I got my first job is I literally let everyone knew I wanted this job in DC. I knew that there was a, uh, they were building a bureau here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made sure that like my resume my name was at the top of like everyone who 
was important enough to hire me yeah. a list and on their desk. Um, and so when they officially announced the launch of the Bureau, um, I was just calling people and like letting them know like, Hey, remember me? Um, and yeah. just being just consistent about that. Finally, um, you know, my, my boss now, he called me, he was like, look, everyone's telling me I should hire you. Why? Yeah. And, um, I got the job. So that, that was, um, it was pretty incredible. I was very young. He even said, he was like, I usually don't <laughs> hire people this young, but I am so thankful to. For sure. Yeah. And I think actually that's a good point. You know, one thing, uh, a theme or a motif, however you want to define it uh, of this podcast too, is blazing your own trail. Right. And I think you did that. You kind of took the steps, you set yourself up for that success and who knew when it was going to come, but you had to be ready. Right. And so when the opportunity presented itself, you were ready to make that leap. You put all of the work in, you took the necessary steps. And so, you know, it takes a little bit of luck, a little bit of networking, but also a lot of hard work to kind of blaze that trail for you. And, and now, you know, now you're working in Washington at a very interesting time. We can call it polarizing. We can call it entertaining. We can call it interesting, whatever we want to define it as. And I definitely, um, for, for you and also those listening, this is not going to become a political conversation or anything like that. But since it is such a polarized uh, time or interesting time, you know, what has been some of your favorite projects or, or stories that you have been able to kind of follow and report on uh, throughout your time in DC? That's, so that is actually just as hard a question because things that I've covered like a couple months ago that were so big, like the Supreme Court, not like Brett Kavanaugh, for example, that was huge, that, that yep. took up so much time here. That seems like so long ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone the other day that, you know, 2020 has been so crazy and I had to remind them that the impeachment happened in 2020. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> the, the, I totally forgot about that too. Yeah. Impeachment. You name like Brett. Just like the little, the things that have gone through Congress that they've tackled, mm -hmm. um, just um, having a White House where um, it's just so um, like you can, you know, being able to walk in, there's a lot, everything, there's news every day. Yeah. Um, I've also never reported under any other administration. So I always say like, wow, this is crazy. And I'll talk yeah. to these veteran photographers and they're like, it's not always this crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of, it's interesting to walk into um, this time when it feels like every other week is like some big event. Groundbreaking, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that it's hard to say like, like, like pin down one thing yeah. I would say that sticks out. I would say every week is something different. Like <laughs> even just right now, I've been interviewing senators on Skype in my room. Like that's weird. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool though. Like it's, it's great that they're still accessible despite the world that we're living in. And so, you know, it's, what's the date today? It's May, first week of May. Like, and, yeah. And you know, you think about what's happened. We've had the impeachment. We have, we have the pandemic. Um, things have been closed down for months. And then before you know it, we're going to have an election. So it's like mentally, it's hard to put our mind around the fact that there's more craziness to come. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, for you, I'm sure it's daunting, but also exciting as a reporter, because you just have no idea like what direction things can be going. Um, but also I think one thing that's going to be interesting, whatever happens in 2020, or even the election that follows, like as a political reporter right now, I think it's, it has to be an incredibly exciting, odd time also. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think you're where you're supposed to be and you're definitely going to observe some pretty monumental type of moments, whatever they may be. But one thing that I did want to talk about, I think one of my favorite things that I, I 
because I, I keep up with you. I find your stories very interesting and uh, you're very active on social media too. So it's easy to follow you. Um, but your story where you did a border, pro the, the project down on the border. And so, you know, I don't remember how many days it was, but you went from San Diego. Yep, all the way to Brownsville. We drove the whole way. How yeah, many miles that was, was that? Um, that, I should know the answer to that. At one point I did know the answer to that. Um, it, it was like, I want to say like 4,000 miles. Like Hold on. We have, we have the interwebs readily available. Yeah. So I think I've like, I could probably even find it on. Brownsville, uh, Texas. San Diego to Brownsville, Texas is. Am I, am I correct? This is a fun game. No, you're you're really I'm off. So off. <laughs> um, it's fifteen hundred miles. Fifteen hundred miles. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say four thousand miles is a long way. <laughs> well, okay. So, but that you're talking about direct because the right the yeah. Texas Mexico border isn't it the Texas Mexico border two thousand miles long? Something like that. So yeah, that's just direct. Like if you found the most direct path, that's fifteen hundred miles. But I guess okay. you're right. If you drove so the, the border, border, yeah, two thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. I'm very wrong. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Thanks for fact-checking. Fact <laughs> no fake news uh, here. Fine, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so we, that was a cool, yeah, 10 days, and it was, we turned a story every single day, and we were like, let's go down there and take politics completely out of the border, because mm -hmm. um, this is, when we went down there, it was just kind of like the middle of, of you know, the bo border wall talk, and war was, has just been such a hot topic here in Washington, sure. so we wanted to get out of Washington and just like talk to the people who live there. And we did, and it was honestly the coolest thing I think I've ever done. Um, yeah. And we only, like, it was quick. We only were able to stay on the U.S. side of the border um, mm -hmm. just for a, just because it was just so quick, too. We were on a timeline. Um, and I think if I ever went back, I would love to go and cross the border and, and kind of talk to the people on um, the other side. On the other side. But, it, you know, also a lot of people we talk to um, on the U.S. side live in, in Mexico, and they come yeah. over to the U.S. every day just, you know, like it's crossing the street it it's pretty interesting to see the problems and the concerns of the people there versus yeah. like what we hear every day um in washington so that yeah was and i think i think that's what i i enjoyed about it was it was almost refreshing because it was kind of raw and honest and you heard both sides of the argument and mm -hmm. you know we me as just like a regular citizen you know, I read the news and I, and I try to educate myself, but it's a lot of times what's coming from Washington or what's coming from, um, media outlets. And so this mm -hmm. was just, like I said, raw and honest, and it kind of allows you to kind of peel back the onion a little bit and, and realize, you know, why people are for or against it. And so I thought it was a very honest way to document this. And I thought it was, there was, like you said, you took politics completely out of it. It was just, yeah. we didn't even just, talk, talk politics the entire time. Um, they, sometimes they mentioned it, but we, you know, we never, never once talked about, you know, anything going on in Washington. We were just, Hey, what do you, how's, how's it going? What's like, what's your life like? Yeah. And yeah. That, and so let me ask you this as a political reporter, um, you know, I know you do a very good job at not, uh, projecting your political views. You stay very neutral. Um, you know, how do you guide that ship? Like when you're interviewing, no matter who it is, and they try to take you down that road, how do you find yourself bringing it back so you're not going down that conversation? So I think that like the, you know, the interesting thing is that everyone you talk to, um, they're expecting, um, you know, a reaction or not a reaction, but you know, they, every lawmaker is, they, you know, they're very good at, at, their, at crafting their answers, um, whoever yeah. it may be. Um, and I mean, that's how they got into office. So they, you know, you're asking a Republican, so you're in a, 
you say, hey, Democrats say this, what's your reaction? You ask a Democrat, you say, hey, Republicans think this, what's your reaction? Um, and so you kind of just have to play the middle ground or just devil's advocate, depending on who you're talking to, because yeah. a lot of the times the person who you're talking to genuinely believes what they're saying. Yeah. And so, you know, try to figure out why, like, even if you don't believe that yourself, you know, they, they have a reason to, to think that and, uh, you know, let them explain it um, for sure. But then, you know, always bring up the other side too. So it is interesting, but I think that like, it's kind of just comes down to the, like an equation here. When you're yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, unexpected. And as you mentioned, like they're very good at crafting their answers. There's, yeah. a, reason, there's a reason a lot of them are lawyers. In their, oh yeah. Their oh line. yeah. Um, but no, and I I, sometimes you can ask a question and they, they give like a good, like three or four minute response and you're sitting there and you're like, I don't think they answered the question at all. No, I, I was watching an interview. This topic. <laughs> I was watching an interview the other day. I won't say uh, who, but there was a lot of long answers and I, I felt myself being like, I, I don't think the answer was, question yeah. yeah like I don't think there was an answer in that but it was a long response so I'm just gonna kind of like go along with it yeah, yeah. so yeah. but I, I think that's a good point that you bring up though is kind of hearing people out I think that's important right now um because people have opinions and we're all we're we come from different walks of life right like we were raised in the suburbs and so our concerns and our thoughts and experiences are a little bit different than someone who grew up in the city or rural and so there's like if you hear people out you kind of understand where they're coming from you don't have to agree right you at least can like understand that they're not just like spewing this out of nowhere right there's a reason for for these type of things and so I think that's very pertinent today I wish people would practice it a little bit more um but with that, interviewing people, um, like I mentioned, you've interviewed some pretty cool people. The fact that you, uh, at such a young age, have interviewed the president of the United States, I think is incredible. Um, who's, you know, maybe the coolest person for whatever reason uh, that you've interviewed, whether it's, you know, you just liked them a lot or it was the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. You know, who's, who's some of your favorites that you've interviewed? So I think it's just depending on what the story is that day, because there's some if you're in news, you'd kind of understand, I mean, I guess you would, everyone would understand this, but like just getting that one interview that was just so hard, no one thought you were be able to get it, even if it's just like an administrator or, you know, somebody, um, you know, uh, speaking on behalf of something or, you know, they may not be a big name, but that day it was just so hard to get it. If you like nailed it down, like that yeah. feeling of just being able to grab that interview where not a lot of people were, um, yeah. That's like the coolest thing. Obviously, like, you know, interviewing the president, like you said, was very cool, a very cool experience um, in general. Um, I will never forget that. And I will tell my grandkids that one day. But um, but I do think it's like the day-to-day -day interviews that yeah. um, I really, really do appreciate. And also just like hearing people's stories that, you know, you can start talking to someone and, you know, have no idea, you know, yeah. where they're coming from or what their story is. And it's just, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, honestly, what I do on this podcast is nothing like what you do, but I will agree with you on the, the telling the stories. So like today, trying to line up some other people and, you know, I talked, someone put me in contact with a police officer and just hearing this guy's story was incredible. I didn't know him from Adam, right? This was the first time I spoke to him and, you know, I have to ask, you know, some questions that you don't normally ask someone the first time you meet them. And um, I, I just find it really intriguing to get to know people kind of in this setting. Like, I don't know. I find it kind of a safe space is I hate using that word, but. No, but, I agree with that. And I think that like, when, you know, when you talk to him, he probably, you know, he probably doesn't think that what he's saying is that interesting. So he right. may not pull back a little bit, but you're thinking, wow, that's really cool. But to him, it's just, 
it's his story. Life. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. It's his story. And, and that's one thing that I want, like, that's how I feel. I'm like, my story's not that cool, but Anna's but, is cool. But then I'm saying the other, the complete opposite. So it's really cool to like kind of pull that out of people. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, and going back to our yearbook roots, um, that was actually my favorite thing was like tracking people down. And even if it was like getting a quote or just like a small blurb, like it was just my favorite thing to hear uh, people say like, you know, why did you like playing this sport or what did this award mean to you or whatever? Like I found that always so interesting. And now since you brought up yearbook in this, like I'm starting to reflect yeah. on actually how influential your book was, even though yeah. this voting was begging me to constantly stay um, rather than leave class <laughs> early. Um, uh, but no, no, like I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel you on that one. And so if there was someone you could interview, dead or alive, who do you think it would be? So I, I will say that the one person that I wish I had sat down with a long time ago um, would be my grandfather. Um, oh, yeah. And I think just getting like stories down um, and just, you know, like I said, just picking his brain and just having him talk. I wouldn't even have to probably say anything in the interview. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's the one thing I, I do wish I had recorded um, that I don't. And so your grandfather actually has a book, right? Yeah. And it's about, so Anna's grandfather is a Holocaust survivor. And I remember us growing up and him coming to speak to us. I don't know if it was every year, but I definitely remember him being there. Grandparents day. He would always be down there. Oh, okay. Okay. That's yeah. what it was. So I definitely remember him being there, sharing his story. And so, you know, give us, you know, a quick spark notes version of quick what spark. the book is about. Um, it's just, you know, his time, um, you know, he was a Polish resistance fighter. He was captured, um, you know, was, was um, went to Auschwitz um, face to face with you know some of the the scariest people that we read about in history, um, and then his he was able to escape um, yeah. you know when they were marching from from one campsite to the other. So I think you know I obviously love his story um, and I think it's powerful, but I think yeah. it's just a powerful story in general. But that's one person I really wish I. Yeah, that's fair. No, I mean, I, I would absolutely 100% agree with that. And so sure, very proud of what you're doing today. Um, strong story there as well. All right. So moving off of journalism and kind of getting a little bit more casual. I mean, we've been pretty casual. We've talked about Whataburger. We've talked about your book. We've talked about how much we love Texas and food and stuff like that. But, you know, one There's thing that I wanted to do. I promise. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that complex. Like that just kind of just rounds me out right there. Um, literally. Want, yeah, literally. Uh, gaining the COVID-19. But um, one thing I did want to talk about though on this podcast too is just how are people bene uh, bettering themselves, bettering their communities. And so I, I don't know in DC like what access to nonprofits you have but or in general, but are there any nonprofits that you, you're working with or that you would encourage people to donate to or volunteer to during this time or in general? I think that um, I, I always, I wouldn't want to say one big one. Um, I would say you look at the problem you have locally because it's so different. And um, if you I hate to say this, but I feel like if you keep the money, like if you go directly to the source, if you keep the money, well, if you have a homeless problem in your small town somewhere um, yep. and there's, you know, some organization that's, you know, a church or something like that, that's, you know, going around like feeding homeless or, or keeping them housed or, or whatever, giving them haircuts during this time, um, just kind of find that out. And Facebook has such, um, is such a good way to connect with people in that sense. Um, yep. 
but just kind of seeing in your neighborhood what the problem is and locally, um, you know, that's, it's a quick fix. I mean, not maybe a quick fix, but you know, it's a really big impact and you can do it so quickly and so fastly. So yeah, um, I would say that. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I think that's fair. And, you know, me personally, I, I agree with that. And then me, what I've you, found is there, you say big brothers basis because you're, you're really involved in that and that's, that they have local chapters. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and also just from my perspective, um, like you use the homeless kind of example from my perspective, I think kids right now could definitely use a lot of help, right? Parents are at work or maybe there's a single parent who's working and, um, kids are be. Uh, kids are connected because of, you know, devices and stuff, but they're disconnected so much. And then their routine right. is completely flipped upside down. And so that's one thing, you know, big brothers, big sisters, or any nonprofit that's helping kids, like mm -hmm. trying to give them resources, you know, connect with them, also bring a sense of routine back uh, right now. Cause I couldn't, you know, you, you, you kind of joke at first, you're like, Oh, if I was in high school, I would love this. And then I'm 57 days in, and if I was in high school and I couldn't, you know, go ride my bike, well, we're young, so we didn't drive until junior year, but um, <laughs> go ride my bike or drive to my friend's house, I think I'd go insane. Yeah. And so I think it's a tough time to be a kid right now, for sure. In general, I think it right now is a tough time and then add a pandemic and it's just like. Or being a senior, whether it be in college or high school, I just. And I mean, even back to yearbook, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I wonder what they're doing for the yearbooks this year. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, how do you have the year basically cut off? Yeah. And I've actually heard the school we went to, they're, they're planning to do the graduation like in August, if things are okay. Okay. So, so, okay. That, that's kind of nice. Kids can walk the stage, but depending on where you go to school, you know, might you be might great. be gone. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to try, but I definitely feel for students because you have, like, I don't, look back on my graduation day and remember a whole lot like high school or college but yeah you remember walking across the stage mm -hmm. and it's a big deal and your parents are proud and and all of that type of stuff so I definitely feel for high school students there but you know it's it's I think it's a real time also to differentiate yourself if you're a young mm -hmm. person right now like what did you do during this time granted <laughs> it's going to vary right you might have to help your parents take care of your younger siblings right um, or, you know, you might have a lot of time on your hands because you don't have to do that. What are you, what are you doing? And so right. I don't, that's kind of the conversations I've, I've been having with some high school and college. Students. I think that's so, that's so important. I, yeah, I love that. That's good. Well, because I think, I think. Now you're like making me think, I'm like, what have I been doing with my time? <laughs> that's the thing is everyone's going to use their time differently, right? And everyone yeah. defines being productive differently as well. But you don't want to just like sit and watch Netflix for 57 days. Now you might need a mental break. Like yesterday, I got into bed at 7:30 and watched. I saw that. Yeah. My brain, like I was, I had a nine-hour meeting yesterday, and I like I was just fried. But I think the new recruiting question is gonna be not tell me about yourself. It's gonna be what did you do during COVID-19, and it's gonna vary. Yeah. But as long as you have a solid answer and you mm -hmm. didn't like sit on the couch for three months, like. Mm -hmm. That's just what they want to see. Like, what are you doing right. in general? So that's I my agree. little, that's my that's little. Good. That's good advice. That's very good advice. That's my, that's my pitch for the day. I'm hoping I'm making my teachers, my teachers proud. Um, all right. Last thing here. So we've talked about a couple of things. We've talked about, you know, some food, but um, right now we're seeing small businesses and restaurants really take a hit. And, and granted, depending on which state you're in, like Texas has slowly started to open. Colorado, we open on May 8th. 
or I think part of Colorado is open, but Denver opens May 8th. And so we're starting mm-hmm. to see some things open, but they're still struggling. So in DC, Texas, I know you go to Florida a lot too. Are there any restaurants or businesses that stick out uh, in your mind? Well, I think that locally, I mean, I, one of my favorite restaurants here in DC is a local Mexican restaurant. Um, that is started by a guy um, who's from Houston. Um, and they just opened up, um, you know, maybe a couple months before this happened. And I, I, you know, you see that a lot, all these, you know, new businesses starting to open up and then you're like, what, what are they going to do now? And how are yeah. they going to um, adapt? They don't have necessarily the resources. Um, I did actually um, talk to one company. Um, it's not a restaurant, so it's kind of going a little bit off topic, but it was just such a cool thing. He, it's this guy in um, Georgetown, DC, he's about our age and he, um, has started this company called Soapbox, and they basically, you buy a bar of soap, and they donate a bar of soap. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And um, they sh- basically, when this all happened, stopped production and started from scratch making hand sanitizer because it was needed. And yeah. so they made like three, I want to say it was like 3,000, maybe 3 million. Again, my numbers are clearly are <laughs> off, but I don't know how to count. Uh, it's very different. I, I want to say it was 3 million. Um, bottles of hand sanitizer and I mean like they from like the design of the bottle and they, they were out of, you know trucks were bringing them across America within one and a half weeks like I mean it's it just like cool things like that that small businesses are able to step up and do um, and even just the restaurants that are like feeding hospital workers I think that's just so cool yeah to be able to pivot especially and do something that's like totally different so you hear about like these um whiskey um uh oh, the, the distilleries and stuff yeah there we go yeah yeah that's cool. And then one thing, you know, this is this is a company actually based in Philly, but it's called Boathouse Sports. And so the own the owner and uh, stuff like that's a good family friend. My dad went to college with him. His name's John Strutback. Rode with him. He rode in the Olympics. And Boathouse Sports basically create like they do a lot, but they in essence do a lot of like uniforms and stuff like that. They've even dressed like our Olympic team. And they that's made the pivot. And they made masks for the hospitals in in Philly. And so I thought that was. That's incredible. So- yeah. Like I'm, you I'm, I'm fact checking myself right now. Oh, are you? <laughs> well, <laughs> while you while you fact check between okay. three million or three thousand, um, I just thought it was incredible that, you know, they had the resources, right? But to have like the foresight and be like, okay, we're gonna scrap what we're doing right now and we're just gonna yeah. do this. And you know, it's kind of, you know, my mom was telling me that my grandfather, now not to necessarily compare this to any world wars, but my grandfather was saying that he hasn't seen kind of people step up like this since, you know, the the second world war, because, you know, people are doing things that are outside of what is needed, like, like um, what their job is. And they're, they're turning their businesses into other things to help hospital workers, people like you and me. And so he's not, you know, how sports isn't making uniforms anymore. They're making masks, you know, help. And so I thought that was actually a really powerful statement. Um, My mom kind of just casually told me that. And I was like, I think that's actually like a very powerful. I think that's really cool. Um, One million. Three million. Okay. So 2000 miles on the border. Yeah. 2000 miles on the border and 3 million bottles. Cool. Cool. Fact checked. We good thing for Google. Um, one thing I do just, I've been doing for my friends in Texas, I've been sending them Tiff's treats, the, the cookies and stuff. Oh, I love that. Is that a local brand in, in Texas or is that everywhere? No, it's just in Texas. It's in, uh, they're based in Austin. Oh, they're Um, so good. And and so you can get hot cookies, y'all hot cookies 
delivered to your door with ice cream and milk if you would like mm. um but only in texas and also not in west texas my brother's birthday was the other day and i tried to send him some and Ooh, couldn't do it, it. But you know what would have made it to him? Great American cookies. My work <laughs> arrived today. <laughs> great, great American cookies. I'll keep that in mind next time. I, uh, I actually if got you him. Close this your is- eyes. You like feel you're at a mall kiosk almost. So. <laughs> That's. I was like, why do I know that name? It's exactly. It's from the every mall kiosk. They're really good. Get the sugar cookies. I, I highly. Right. I'll keep that in mind. And one other thing, smaller brand actually, because I'm thinking about what I got my brother for his birthday because I couldn't send him cookies. Uh, There's this brand called Free Fly and it's based out of, I believe, South Carolina. We might have to fact check that one. Um, And so they make these like really soft, uh, like bamboo, I think it's called bamboo cotton. I don't know. If you want a really soft shirt. Shirt? Oh, nice. Free Fly. Um, And yeah, and and they're a smaller brand. You can kind of get them at Outfitters, but I feel like you need to go to like a fishing store to find them. It's like kind of a fishing brand, but really soft shirts and so i'm that's free, my, fly? free fly that's my small plug of the day is get yourself a free fly shirt there you go I, my um, online shopping needs to stop but maybe i'll do that after that order oh my god yeah yeah i uh i kind of told myself i i've kind of backed off the last couple of weeks so things just keep showing up and i'm like uh, i should probably yeah. but i will say um having online ordering like to work out like i didn't have anything so i go to orange theory and i run <laughs> And so I didn't even have like a weight. And so I've been yeah. able to find like 20 pound dumbbells. And then I have like a, a, me- a medicine ball or a wall ball. And um, I use like a large thing of like, uh, it's over there, laundry detergent. <laughs> yeah, for a while, yeah. For a while I was doing like prison workouts where <laughs> I was like filling boxes with books or putting books in a backpack <laughs> or something like that. And it was like, it was fun at first. And then it was like, okay. Yeah, my, okay, like, really my hand, like my hands hurt, my back hurts because I'm like picking yeah. up weirdly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so a couple, so all, what is it? Great American, all American cookies? Great American cookies. Great American cookies. Like I'm like an ad for them, but I'm not. They're just so good. And then Soapbox. Soapbox. Yeah, that's, um, they're based here in DC, but they um, deliver everywhere. Yeah, you could probably find it in your, um, like local grocery store too. Yeah. Oh, and speaking and of- And if you still buy a hand sanitizer, they still donate a bar of soap for every hand sanitizer. Nice, nice. And yeah. one other small thing, I actually saw like an, uh, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend uh, shared something about a place in Waco. If you like popcorn, I love popcorn. Um, it's called Chuck's Gourmet Popcorn out of Waco. And I guess they sell it normally at, what is it? Ch- Chip and Joanna's, what is it called? Like the Sil- Magnolia? Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. In Yeah, is it- this right like you're just talking about- maybe the silos hold on magnolia market waco the internet it's, it's definitely magnolia something but yeah, like, magnolia, I don't know- magnolia market and then i oh yeah magnolia market at the silos there, there you go and um that's where they like would sell their popcorn and then i would imagine probably a baylor in local stores but i was like mm-hmm. you know what I'll buy some popcorn. And so I got yeah. like popcorn, regular like butter popcorn. They have like a salted caramel popcorn. And then they have a cinnamon toast crunch flavor. I haven't gotten to that yet, but that's what got me. I saw that and I was like, mm, I should buy. That's good. That's good. That's like supporting local from afar. I love that. Yeah. I find myself just because that's where the people I know live is in Texas. Like I find myself supporting them. There's some things in Denver. It's mostly restaurants. Like I, I need to do better, but that's just like where the people I know live. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so 
with that, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I know it's a really busy time, I can imagine. And you guys are trying to have that fine balance of working from home and also, you know, going out and reporting. Um, but with that, any last words of what's going on? No, just say thanks for having me. And I, I love what you're doing with your podcast. I think this is, again, you know, like you were saying, you're telling people, what did you do during quarantine? Like, you started a podcast. That's awesome. You know, this is pretty cool. So, no, no. Um, and, and I was talking to someone the other day that, there's no, like, I still don't have like a total vision of it. I'm, I'm learning as I'm going, but you know, even if one person listens to it, right. And one person's like, oh, wow, that was cool. Like, I feel like I, I accomplished my mission at that point. And so, so with that, um, Anna is on Instagram and, uh, Twitter. And I don't remember your handle. Instagram. It's at a Warnicky. Um, Twitter is at Anna E. Warnicky. That's right. So, Send me story ideas. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then if you want to continue and follow along with Trailblazing Texts, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well, both of which are the handles Trailblazing Texts. And I'll be tagging you and, and giving everyone some updates. But with that, I think we're good to go. And I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it too. I'm going.